Hey there! I'm really glad that you've come to check out the KZMC Weekly Teaching. My name is Ryan Yancey and I'm the lead pastor. KZMC gathers together for worship every Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. in person. You can also join us by our live stream available on YouTube. If you're from the area and you're not already connected to a church, we'd love to have you come join us. You can find the full details at kzmc.ca. It's my hope and it's my prayer that God will speak to you through this teaching. May you have a marvelous day. Um, God's been giving me an image over the last couple of weeks. Two weeks now, as I've just been thinking and praying about life right now. And I'm going to share that with you. So a, a number of, it was probably about two months, maybe three months ago, our family was at the, the playground in Clinton by the racetrack there. It's a great playground. They used to have one of those like really old school high slides that like it was steel and like where you just fried your legs on a hot summer day and where the kids are like 12 feet up in the air with like nothing around, like it'd be pretty easy to fall off and whatever. Like by today's standards, like a super dangerous slide. Do you, some of you know what slide I'm talking about by the racetrack there. And I remember being like, yeah, Lincoln, you know, is it, wasn't that a sweet slide? I remember thinking like, this is awesome that they still have dangerous slides like this around. We're bubble wrapping our kids. I'm so happy that there's this slide here. Anyway, they replaced that slide with now like a really nice, much safer, but really nice playground. That doesn't matter. I don't know why I'm telling you that. But that playground, we were there a few weeks back, and we're sitting there at the picnic table, and we look, and there on the ground are some garbage left over from what was an intimate encounter that had been used. And we're, our kids are running around, like running over top, like, this is disgusting. Like, how gross is this? And, and so luckily, I've got a, a nurse wife who's much braver. She got some sticks and kind of picked them up and threw them in the garbage. But just in that moment, being like, this is disgusting. And there's garbage around and whatever. And, and when you're there with your nose four feet from the ground, you see the problems, you see the issues, you see the things that need to be fixed and addressed, and that garbage need to be picked up. But there's also like, you're, you know, you see the brokenness that it represents. You know, I don't know why or who or what, but probably beside a playground is not the greatest place for such encounters. You see the brokenness, and you want to address it, and your heart is burdened by it. So, so that's the first image. The second image is that, uh, I guess it's three weeks ago now, for my birthday, Brittany purchased a flight for me with Papal Aviation. They had a little four-seater plane, they're out near Seaforth, and we had a great time. 45 minutes in the air, I'd never done this before, but we flew from Seaforth, out across Hensel and, and Zurich, St. Joseph, up over Bayfield, Goderich, back over Clinton, and, uh, and then finished up in Seaforth. Beautiful. So just a shout out, I don't know, I guess I'll endorse Papal Aviation. Great guy. Uh, Marvelous flight, had a good time. And what struck me was we flew over that same playground in the plane. And you could see the, the perfectly formed racetrack and the baseball diamonds in the middle with the red dirt and the, the nicely cut, cut green outfields. And, and we could see the playground and it looked beautiful. Like it just looked perfect. And it fit with kind of the sense with the whole flight. Like you're up there in the air and you see like the perfectly lined fields, you see the nice cute little villages. You see the coastline, and I remember just being like, man, like, we live in such a beautiful place. Just beautiful. Like, it is so good. And you get this big, almost idealistic picture of this place. And so I was thinking about the difference, even in my own yard. Like, it was great flying over a yard. Like, we, we love it. It's so beautiful. But when I'm in my yard, I see the weeds 
Brittany sees the weeds much more than I do. We see the weeds. You see the peeling paint. You see the front porch that needs to be replaced. You see, like, you just see the imperfections, the things that need to be addressed. And it's good that we see those things because we need to fix them. We need to address them. But if you have your nose always to the ground like that, you can kind of get overwhelmed or discouraged or whatever. It was actually really helpful to be at 2,000 feet and to see from that level and see how beautiful it is. And so I actually think that God is giving me, has given me this image in this time, however you want to, whatever framework you want to look at it through. My framework right now is our transition with the church, COVID-19 stuff. God's given me this image to guide me. I want to share it to you as possibly to guide you of it's so easy in life when things are unsettling to have our nose only at four feet. I'm aware of the things that we, the challenges that we're facing, whether it's in our families, in our communities, in our workplaces, in our churches related to COVID. I'm aware of the things, the concerns that we have about the future of the church, the things that we look at and, well, this isn't working and we need to address this and this and that. That's not a bad place to be. But then God also invites us to come up to 2,000 feet and look over our lives and look over this church and see how good and how beautiful it is to see what God has done over the decades in the same way that those farms and those villages have been formed over decades and look beautiful now, to see that with our lives and our church, to see this as a community of people who love Jesus and care for one another so well, to see the ways in which people are serving and leading, the fruit in people's lives that I see, the ways that you've shared your stories with me and with one another, this, what we have here as a church community is beautiful and it's good god has directed it god has guided it over decades and whatever way shape or form god will continue to guide it because he is faithful he has always done that he is doing that now and he will continue to do that and so what god has just said to me in this season to actually intentionally in these next five six weeks for me to kind of take that two thousand foot view and maybe that's helpful for yourself as well. That doesn't mean that it's really helpful to have a nose at four feet, but too often I only have my nose at four feet, three feet, four feet, and not at 2,000 feet. So I don't know if that connects with you, but I feel like that's what God's calling me into in this season is to look from 2,000 feet to see God's faithfulness and the beautiful things that he's done, and then that giving me, giving us the courage to step through this next little while. So I hope that is helpful for you. This morning we're looking at uh, the story of the, the, the spies in Canaan. Centuries earlier, God had promised a section of land to the Israelites. He had promised it to Abraham, the father of the Israelites. And now they were there. They were on the doorstep of the promised land of Canaan. This beautiful land where they would prosper and, fr and thrive and learn what it means to be a nation under God to be used by him to bless others. They were there. They'd been delivered from slavery in Egypt. They'd wandered through the desert. They'd celebrated. They'd been given the law, the Ten Commandments. Now they were on the edge. They'd been given the worship system, the tabernacle. They were on the edge of the promised land. They were ready to go. And so they appointed spies to go into the land. 
And Moses instructs them, chapter 13, verse 17 of Numbers, Moses instructs them. He's got all kinds of questions for them. It actually reminded me of, Grace went away for overnight camp this summer at U-Turn Ranch in Tavistock. And she got back, and we're happy to see her, and we're just like peppering her with questions. Did we ask a lot of questions when you got back? Yeah, we're like, like, what did you have to eat? What, did you, what, was your, what were your friends like? Did you get to ride the horse? Did you tip your canoe? Did you, did you do all these, just peppering her? What time did you fall asleep at? What did, whatever, right? And that's almost like just that peppering of questions is kind of what we see with Moses here. He just peppers these, these questions for the spies before they go out. He says, go up through the Negev and into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak or few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or is it poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. So he peppers them with these questions, getting them ready to go. And so they go off into Canaan, 40 days, cruising around in the land. I wonder what that was like, if they just walked in bold daylight or if they had to be really sneaky for what they did to blend in, but they cruised around the land for 40 days. I know when we get to these stories with our kids, we've got a, a marvelous book. If you're looking for something great, the uh, Action Bible. So if, if your kids or grandkids are into Marvel comics, the illustrator for the Action Bible has been a graphic designer, illustrator for Marvel comics. So it's like really, really well done. It kind of looks superhero-ish. And uh, so we got this Action Bible, and it goes through a ton of stories in the Bible. So if you're looking for a great resource, I can't recommend the Action Bible enough. So we get to these stories. We're talking about spies, and I can tell, like, the kids, they're just leaning in. Like, this is, this is like, okay, Jesus fed the 5,000, like, whatever, right? Like, we got spies here. This is exciting. So just imagine, like, we kind of gloss things over, like, oh, yeah, okay, some spies went. Like, this is, like, this is espionage. This is big stuff. So they send the spies for 40 days. And I invite you to read the text with me. Numbers chapter 13, verses 26 to 33, if you can turn there. Numbers chapter 13, starting at verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. And there they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. When we went into the land to which you sent us, it does flow with milk and honey. And here is its fruit. But the, I want you to remember that, but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and they're very large. And we even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites lived in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land. Now I want you to remember this phrase also. We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. So we got the but the crowd. And the we can certainly do it crowd. The but the crowd was made up of 10 people, 10 spies. The we can certainly do it crowd is made up of two spies. But the men who had gone up with them, they said, we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in. All the people we saw there are great size. We saw the Nephilim there. 
and the descendants of Anna come from the Nephilim, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked just like that to them. Well, that's kind of a sad development. We've got the but the crowd that kind of dominates the conversation here. They say, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. No doubt they were facing a scary time. They lived in Egypt. They were rescued in a miraculous way, and now they were, they were in the desert, and, and God had provided for them in some, some neat ways. But they were, this was a scary time. God was inviting them to take a really big step into the next season for them. They didn't love the desert, but they knew it. It was comfortable. They kind of had become familiar with what to expect. This land might be great, but it was unknown and it was scary, and so the obstacles seemed that much bigger. And so I want to ask you in life, with the territory that God is calling you into, which camp are you in? Is God asking you to do something and you're like, yeah, but the but the what? But I'm not good with words. But I don't have time. But we don't have enough money. But my friends will think I'm ridiculous. Whatever. We have all kinds of but does. Or are you in the camp that says we can certainly do it? With the challenges you face in life. Maybe, you know, we have friends this weekend who are dropping their kids off at college. I've not been there. I remember it blew me away when my parents dropped me off. I'll never forget my dad just like sobbing and seeing firsthand the depth of his love and care for me. Like I'd seen my dad shed a few tears over his life. I'd never seen him sob. He was just like sobbing when they went out the door. Just seeing like it was a neat, it was a neat moment. And it makes me think of that in those instances for him and for our friends who are dropping off kids at college. Are they in that spot of being but the or are they saying, we can certainly do it? Maybe in the midst of COVID stuff, you're saying, but the... Or maybe you're saying, we can certainly do it. Maybe God's asking you to step out. Maybe it's something as simple as God's been nudging you. Your, your neighbor's struggling with some relational stuff, or maybe your neighbor's struggling with health stuff, and God's like, why don't you go over there and pray for them? Is your response, no, but, but, but the... Like, I've never done that before. They're going to think I'm weird, but the but I don't have the words, but I'm not spiritual enough. Or will you respond to God's prompting and say, we can certainly do it. What do you think enabled Caleb and Joshua to have such confidence in the face of uncertain future? What do you think it was? I think it's because they had the perspective of being at 2,000 feet and not their noses at four feet. They saw the obstacles ahead of them, some really big, scary people with fortified cities. But that's not all they saw. They saw it from the whole big picture. They had seen God deliver them from Egypt. Like he parted the Red Sea. Like, how, how could you not be overwhelmed by that? But, and, and just that your confidence grow. They'd seen God give them manna. They'd seen God provide water from a rock. They had seen God provide quail in a surprising fashion. They had seen the mercy 
and the graciousness of God over an extended period of time. I think that's why they, they could say, we can certainly do it. And yet, I don't know, like I'm often like those 10 spies. Like I forget about that stuff. I forget about the way that God's provided for me in the past. I forget about how God has never failed. I'm just like, yeah, but the... And I'm fixated on the obstacles and I'm saying, but the... If God had been faithful all those times before, then why couldn't they say, yeah, we can certainly do it. God's been faithful then. He's going to be faithful now as well. This is why Caleb and Joshua had a posture of we can certainly do it. And that's why in this season, whatever it is that's on your heart and on your mind, for you, for me, the things that seem scary to me right now, I want to join with Caleb and Joshua. I can join with Caleb and Joshua and say we can certainly do it because I've seen God's saving story play out time and time again. I had uh, just an in- interesting instance. Uh, I had a, a conversation with, with Phyllis, and we were, just, we were ta- talking about Jill. Jill's back. I got Jill's permission to, to share this. We just had, Jill was over for a place for dinner on Friday, had a great conversation, and we were talking about how, like, oftentimes, like, you know, there's this thing of, like, putting mission workers on this, like, pedestal, and, like, to us, like, Jill's just this, like, incredible saying because she went off to Thailand, whatever. We're having this conversation, and, and sometimes people can do that with pastors a bit, like, that's just not the way it is. Like, we're just normal people with our own struggles and whatever, and we don't want to do that. We want to honor, but not be like, oh, yeah, like, look at this. And now I'm going to go a little bit against that by saying, uh, just acknowledging Jill's faithfulness, and, and the sense that Phyllis was telling me about how when Jill was a little girl, she didn't want to grow up because she didn't want to move out of home. And then there was a point where I was like, well, maybe I could like build a house next door on the street. And then, well, maybe I could like move in with grandma here in town at some point. And there were these little steps, but this big obstacle of like, I could never go somewhere crazy. Like, I just want to be at home because this is safe and this is comfortable. This is my wilderness where it's just what I'm familiar with. And then God invited her into the promised land for her life, which was to move to Thailand. And it would have been so easy to be like, but the, I don't like the heat. But the, I don't like the food. But the, I'm not good with A, Y, Z. But I like structure and order and and planning. But because she trusted in God's faithfulness in this instance, and she told me, I'm supposed to emphasize, it took her quite a while to get to this point. It wasn't just an immediate, uh, so there's a not putting you on too high of a pedestal, Jill. (laughs) Apparently, it should have been a much quicker process. I don't know. (laughs) But because she'd seen the faithfulness of God, she was able in that time to take a step into something that actually didn't make any sense if you'd have looked at seven-year-old Jill. And she said, we can certainly do it. That's her story. What is it for you? Maybe it is going and chatting with that neighbor. Maybe God's nudging you to give like a tremendous... We got Afghan refugees that need settlement in Canada. And that's going to take money. We're connected. There's a, a part of the MBs. There's this group called the Jesus Collective. And, and they set up a fund a year ago to help because they, they work with the possibly the only, the only Afghan church in the GTA, possibly the only Afghan church in, uh, in Canada. And they, there's this fellow. He's credentialed with the MBs, Obed. And he's got a global ministry with Afghan Christians and those exploring faith and evangelistic ministry, and then also on the ground in Toronto. So they set up this fund, and they're looking for funds to help Afghanis settle. And then maybe God's prompting you to be like, you know what, like, what if you gave a thousand bucks? Like, no, I can't. I got, but, 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 but my retirement. But food prices are going up. But whatever, right? I, I don't know. That's just another example. Maybe God's saying, hey, here's some new territory for you. You're like, no, but the, but the. 
But if God's prompting you and he's been faithful, we can respond and say, we can certainly do it. I'm not going to go on at greater length. What I am going to ask you to process is where are the places where God's invite you into new territory to take a challenging step of faith? And you're saying, but the, where are those places right now? What does it look like for you to shift to God's prompting to say, we can certainly do this? And if you're, you know, you got your butt does, but you don't think you can get over there and make that step of faith, I invite you to take your nose, take your eyes. I don't know why I keep saying nose. It's our eyes we see. Take your eyes up to 2,000 feet and just look at what God has done. Look at how God has never failed you. Look at the great fruit you've seen in the lives of in your life, in the lives of the people around you. Look at the transitions you made and how God has guided you every step of the way. Look at how he has saved you. Look at how he's directed the path of your family for decades. Look at the fullness of the character of who God is. And as you reflect from 2,000 feet on the big picture, I invite you to join with God and say, we can certainly do it. I can certainly do it. And if it involves others around you, say, I can certainly do it. So look at where you're saying, but the... Take a view from 2,000 feet and see God's activity just like Caleb remembered coming out of Egypt and then join with God with steps of faith that might not even make any sense and say, we can certainly do it. Let's have a word of, of prayer. God, these things are really easy to say from a little podium in the sun on a Sunday morning when People are expecting a sermon. They're really hard to do. We confess that in our sin and brokenness and our lack of trust. These things are hard to do on Monday morning or in three weeks from now. It's so hard. And so with that, God, we acknowledge that we don't have the capacity within us. We need you, Holy Spirit, to fill us. We need you to minister to our hearts. We need, to, we need you to draw our minds and our hearts back to that 2,000-foot view, back to how you've guided us, back to how you've been good, back to how you've saved us. Guide us in that, and we pray that you'd fill us and give us what we need. And maybe we have no idea what that territory is, and so we invite you to open our eyes. Show us, God, what are those big courageous steps that you're calling us into. Thank you that we live this wild ride not on our own as individuals floundering about, but we live as those who are carried by you, who are known by you, walking according to your plans. And so we offer ourselves to you, and we just say we're excited. We're excited to see what you will do when we join with you and say we can certainly A, Y, or Z. Guide us, God, we pray. We love you. Thank you for the warmth of the sunshine today. Thank you for these people. Thank you for who you are. Amen.